going to keep coming back. You might as well say, it's me again. You hear God say, I know. And uh, we just, we just, we're just born a few days and full of trouble, Job said. And we need God, don't we? And I'm glad we have him. All right, Philippians chapter 1. We're preaching our theme for the year and getting through it one verse at a time. Philippians chapter number 1. pages turning. Praise the Lord. You bring your Bible to church, right? Some kind of Bible. Paper Bible, electronic Bible. If all else fails, Bible on the screen, right? Philippians chapter 1, we put it up there. We want everybody to look at the Bible. Why? Because you don't need to take my word for it. Amen. Bible changes lives. All right. We pull our theme for 2024 out of verse number nine. And this I pray that your love may abound. Say it with me. More and more in the knowledge and in all judgment. Verse 10, 11 goes on down. We'll talk about that later. But we're building our way up to it here in our preaching, starting with last week in chapter number one. And we'll move a little bit further. Really, we spent our time in verses 1 and 2, and we couldn't get out of them because it's, it's not a lot of content, but it's a lot of depth. There's some, there's some words in there that you just can't skim over because they're one word, but they're packed with doctrine. And it matters what you believe, doesn't it? See, you can't behave right if you don't believe right. I'm going to say, oh, no wonder. <laughs> No wonder I keep messing up. You got to get your doctrine right before you get your duty right. Get your belief right before you get your behavior right. So let's look at verses 1 and 2 again. And let's see if we can extract some more nuggets out of these two verses. And maybe by the end of 2024, we'll arrive at verse number 9. <laughs> Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the what? And deacons. It's a Baptist distinctive, two offices in the church, pastor and deacon. And obviously, there were, there were multiple pastors in the church and deacons in the church. These are offices in the church as the scripture prescribes them. Verse number two, first word. Talk to me, first word. Be unto you and what? Yeah, that's a pretty good combo. How many of you like two-piece combo? Yeah. Spicy. No. Three, oh, he said three-piece. Well, one of these, we preach on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We get to that, but we're not, today we just got, you had to deal with a two-piece, all right? You get your last piece on your way home by yourself. It's a two-piece combo here. Grace and peace. I'm going to talk about that combo. It's a good combo. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you thought Popeye's was good. Wait till you get that combo from the Lord. Amen. Let the church say amen. Father, for thy blessing we plead. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Use the Bible. Use me. I'm your servant. 
What a privilege it is to be your servant. Lord, there's nothing, there's nothing in the world I'd rather be doing today than pastoring Crossroads Baptist Church and preaching to this congregation. But Lord, the enthusiasm that I have for pastoring is not enough unless I'm actually giving them something about which to be enthusiastic. So Lord, as excited as we are this morning, help us not to just be excited for nothing. Help us to get something that we can live after we've learned it. Hmm. Help us be better, because if we're better, the world will be better. And if the world's better, more people go to heaven, and more people go to heaven, God, you're pleased in that. Yes, you are. So help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. More and more, more and more, more and more. I mean, just just over and abounding more and more. Uh, the word abound means to overflow. We had these definitions recited to us as we began this series that Paul is not just picking words because he has nothing to say. He's, he's not drowning us in a bunch of gobbledygook to make sure he fills up the chapter. These these words are, are given with intentionality, and they're given by inspiration. We that are Bible believers do not just believe that God inspired thoughts, but that God inspired words. From cover to cover, we believe in the inspiration of the Word of God, that God told men what to say, and those men wrote those words while, min- while maintaining their own personality. So when Paul says in verse number 9, this, I pray that your love, he, was, he didn't just say your feelings, he didn't say your infatuation, he didn't say your emotion, he said your love, we talked about that, and we talked about that word agape, total commitment, act, ab- absolutely sacrificial, giving of oneself by choice, not just a feeling, not just a reciprocated love, but, but love that is a choice. God didn't choose to love us because we loved him first. He chose to love us because he is love. And you don't have to learn, you don't have to love people before they love you. See that your love may, 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 may abound, may overflow more and more, and that this, this, this overflowing might be a continual process that gets bigger and bigger and further and further and broader and broader and more and more. And it ought to be that the Christian life is not a life where we plateau, where we, where we hit a ceiling. I, I found out that most Christians that hit a ceiling, they bounce off the ceiling and head down. They go, they go backwards. They go the wrong direction. You ought to be ascending. You ought to be growing. You ought to be developing. You ought to be booming. You ought to be abounding. Your life ought to be ought not be a fireworks show that finishes. It ought to be one that is in continuum until Jesus comes. Christ is the goal. Being just like Jesus, being exactly like him, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ is the goal. Did you hear me? Your goal is not being like a, another Christian because when you pass them, then you don't work anymore. Your goal is not just being better than you were because that happens the day you get saved. Your goal is Jesus. When Jesus is the goal, you never stop striving because you'll never be like him until you see him, but you ought to be a work in progress along the way. Somebody say amen. So we go back to the beginning of the chapter and look in our text at how Paul arrives at this theme. Verse number one gives us, if you would, his introductory greeting. This is what we looked at last week. He begins the letter with a greeting. Why? Because he's talking to people he cares about. He's talking to people that hold a special place in his heart. The church at Philippi made up of Philippians, was a place that Paul had gone to and planted a church. And he got there, by the way, you can't have a church unless the people in the church know Christ. 
When we talk about a church, we're not talking about a building. Come on, act like you understand what I'm talking about. The church is not the building, the church is the people, right? And the church becomes a church when saved people, say amen if you're glad you're saved, amen. Saved people formed together and they didn't get baptized into a body, a local body. Not some invisible body, but a local body of believers. So if Paul were writing to us, he would say, he would say to the church at Crossroads, and so now he's saying to the church at Philippi, he says, Paul and Timotheus, this is his son in the faith, his mentee, if you would, the one that he had mentored, this, this one that meant so much to him. He begins introducing himself to the church with a self-classification. He says, let me tell you as I write to you, yes, I'm an apostle, I've seen Jesus. Yes, I'm skilled in linguistics, I speak a bunch of languages. Yes, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Yes, I know the law. Yes, I was skilled. Yes, I was perhaps the most promising protege in all of Judaism. Yes, I've got a high IQ. Yes, I've been cultured. Yes, I've traveled the world and I could introduce myself with all of that clout, but let me tell you how I view me. I view me this way. I am a servant of Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody in the building underneath all your titles that would join Paul in classifying yourself the same way he did. At the bottom of it all, we're servants of Jesus Christ. That word servant literally means slave. And by the way, every slave has a master. Can I get an amen? Amen. And you are never threatened when you're a slave to Jesus because you're a master that's a good, good master. Amen. He treats you good. He takes care of you. He ensures you. He feeds you. He puts great shelter over you. Paul said, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. Maybe the reason why some people aren't abounding more and more because they're too full of themselves. They're too, they're too high on themselves. We're living in a day and age that has supplemented us with all of the tools that we need to package images that that. that exaggerate who we are. And, and listen to me, you can put yourself on the internet looking like something and then, then you, you get catfished and find out you don't look nothing like what you look like, right? And, and that's what the world has done. We can Photoshop, we can, we can, make, we, we can make, make, make our big cells small and make our small cells big, make our black cells white, make our white cells black and, and, and talk a certain way, have somebody else talk for us and, and present an image. Paul said, ain't no use in putting up no clout. I know who I am. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's the one that is my master. His self-classification, then he led him to a specific congregation, to those that are at Philippi, those that are at Philippi, a specific congregation. I said last week, Paul believed in the local church. Let me say that again. Paul believed in the local church. Do you know this morning, you are attending a local church. This church meets, 5811 Hoffman's Lane, Bellis Crossroads, Virginia, 22041. This is where we meet. Again, the church is not the building, but this is the location where we meet. The, 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 the musicians, they sing together locally. We have Sunday school classes together locally. We, we're, we're sitting in a sanctuary together locally. That, that's how practically how we grow. Iron sharpens iron. Listen, we're all a part of the family of God. We're all going to heaven. We're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. But listen to me. The first class ride to heaven is in the local church. It's where we get together. I don't know about you. When I get around other Christians, it makes me want to love Jesus more. Amen. It makes me want to serve him more. Many of you serve in a ministry. You're, you're a part of a local church ministry. You're, you're in the bus ministry. You're in the prison ministry. You're in the Sunday school ministry. You're in the choir. You're, you're one of the ushers. You, 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 you work in the children's ministries. You, you, you're involved in our, in our daycare. You, you keep nursery. Listen, this is a local church. Paul, everywhere he went, he started local churches. In Thessalonica, a local church. In Ephesus, a local church. In Philippi, a local church. In the regions of Galatia, local churches. Everywhere he went, he in Corinth, we're preaching on Sunday night through Corinthians, he started 
is, listen, don't, don't miss this, don't miss this. You say, I feel like I'm in class. Good, good, good. Listen, the hope for America is in the local church. Let me say that again. The hope for America is in the local church. You say, oh, no, no, the hope for America is in November. Are you high? Listen, the hope for America is in the local church. Listen, I don't, care who, I, don't care, I don't care who you are. Put me, put you, put whoever you want in the White House. It's not going to change America like it needs to be changed. The hope for America is in the, listen, to, that's why God could took 11 men who were ignorant. That means, didn't mean they were dumb. It meant they were not trained in the elite schools of that day. That's what unlearning ignorance meant. It meant we're not smart the way y'all call smart, but we've been with Jesus. Watch this now. And the Bible said they turned the world upside down. You know what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 when he was getting ready to go to heaven? Ye shall receive Power. You know what the word power is in the Greek? It's the word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite, force, miraculous force. I'd call it boom shakalaka. That's what that's what dynamite dynamite means. This is why the church changes communities. See, you, you can put a police station here, you can put a community center here, you can put a YMCA here. Listen, it'll give people a place to play basketball, it'll give people a place to call when somebody breaks into their car, it'll give pe- people a place to work out for free, give people a place to swim when they want to, but it ain't going to change. When you put a local church here, they come in here, they hear the gospel, and marriages get restored, and, 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 and people that own drugs get, get, get right, and people that are drink sober up, and people that cuss start, 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 start speaking with a pure mouth. Why? Because the gospel message is powerful. Powerful, Amen. And the church has received the anointing power of the Holy Ghost. And that's why the hope for America and the hope, for, by the way, that's why we support missionaries. Because they take local churches to other countries. And they go to other countries and they do the same thing we do here. And they get up on Sunday mornings and the choir sings and the preacher preaches and the children meet downstairs and the, and the people keep the nursery. That's what a local church does. The local church gathers together in Jesus' name for this purpose, to bring glory to God and to see every single person saved. So if you're here today, we're not here at a country club or a masseuse parlor or just a social gathering. We are in a local church and you are fully engaged, plugged in a part of the organism that is the hope for the world. Aren't you glad about it? So Paul said, I'm writing to a specific congregation. And I'm writing to all the lay people in the congregation, all the saints. The word saints there means separated ones for a purpose. Every single Christian is separated. Aren't you glad you are a saint? I'm not talking about Catholic. I'm not talking about the New Orleans football team. I'm talking about saved folks. So he says, all the lay people. And then he says, I'm going to acknowledge the leaders. I'm going to acknowledge the leaders. He says, to the bishops and the deacons. In other words, you work through an organism through the leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Listen, listen. You need good leaders to have good lay people. And, and, And the best leadership is done by Example. So this is what Paul is teaching in his introductory greeting. He says, I have a self-classification and I'm speaking to a specific congregation. And then last week we talked about his stated consolation, his stated consolation. Look at these, if you would. He says, grace be unto you and peace. Grace be unto you and peace. This is the consolation he's giving them. Paul could have greeted them in any kind of way 
and yet he chooses to greet them this way with grace and peace. How many of you think of a grace and peace? Amen. Here's grace. Grace is the foundational root. It, it's charis in the Greek. It means unmerited faith. It's when God hits you with something you didn't deserve. How many of you glad for grace? Amen. The songwriter says it's amazing grace. Somebody say amen. It's matchless grace. It's wonderful grace. It's infinite grace. It's, it's marvelous grace. It's, it's God's amazing grace. Aren't you glad that you're saved today? You could not get saved without grace. Amen. And then he says peace. Grace is the foundational root, and peace is the fruitful result. Shalom, we saw in, the, in, in, in the, our lesson last week. Shalom. Thank you. Hallelujah. Grace and peace to you, whoever just put them notes up there. Shalom. I had other thoughts before that. I'm just kidding. Shalom. So, so this is what the Jews would exchange themselves. Shalom. 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 Alechem. Alechem shalom. In other words, peace be unto you. And the response will be when departed, and peace to you too. Listen to me. We live in a world full of chaos. Can I get an amen? There's wars going on everywhere. By the way, it ain't going to get better until Jesus comes. You say, well, you know, if we just get the right kind of treaties and the right kind of sanctions and the right kind of leadership, if, if the Republicans take over, if the Democrats take over, I don't know what side you're on. It don't matter. They ain't going to give peace. We ain't going to have peace till the Prince of Peace takes over. Shalom. It's peace. It's peace. What do you mean? Grace is the root and peace is the result. I'm, I, I, I mean, it's the grace of God that came and saved us. Amen. That's the root. I became a child of God when I got saved. And the result of that root is now I have peace with God. Anybody follow me? The Bible is such a good book. Listen to me. Before grace came along, you were an enemy of God. Before grace came along, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Before grace, you, there was hatred between you and God. Before grace, you were separate. Come on now, I'm preaching the Bible. You, you Listen, you may have had a suit on, but you were lost. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, pastor. I grew up in the church. You still were lost. You can put a suit on a sinner that don't make him nothing but a dressed up sinner, all right? You can baptize a sinner that doesn't make him but a wet sinner. Listen to me. You can put a sinner in the choir that doesn't make him but a sinful choir member. Listen, but when you get that sinner man accustomed to grace, amen, he gets saved. Somebody say amen for the day grace came and met you. It's the root. It's where your salvation began. A tree doesn't start with fruit. A tree starts with root. You can't have fruit if you don't have a root. You see the fruit comes from the root. The, the, the fruit comes from the root. And the root is what produces the fruit. And if there is no root, there will be no fruit. Everybody loves the fruit. But what they can't see is the root. Listen to me. People see you sing. They see you come to church. They see your nice outfit. They see your pretty dress. They see you teaching Sunday school and they go, oh, you're such a wonderful Christian. What they can't see is it ain't me producing my Christianity. It's the root of God. Somebody help me preach. It's the root of God's grace. That's what Paul's saying, grace and peace. So when he met this church, when he met this church, writing to them from jail about joy, as he was challenging this church to have joy, challenging this church to grow in the Lord, he began the challenge with the most, the most noble and appropriate consolation he could give them, Grace and peace. Somebody say amen. Peace is wholeness, completeness, health, prosperity, harmony, safety. Not just the absence of conflict because none of us are going to live without conflict. If you think you have peace because you don't have conflict, just wait till you get to heaven because you're going to have conflict. People say, I don't have any conflict in my life. Then you're not saved. Because Galatians says the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. So even if you don't have beef with another human being, you got beef with your own self. Your spirit man wants to do right and your flesh wants to do wrong. And ladies and gentlemen, if that's not conflict, I don't know what is. But aren't you glad in the midst of that conflict, God can give you peace? 
What do you mean? I can say yes to Jesus and the flesh can be mad, but God can give me a sense of peace. Come on now. Come on. What, don't, don't, aren't you glad that when you do right, God gives peace? This is what he's saying to folks. I'm trying to get you from jail to understand. They locked me up for preaching the word of God. They locked me up for doing what God called me to do. They locked me up for doing right, but I'm not tripping off of being in jail because I've got the peace of God ruling and reigning in me. And if I can have it from jail, you certainly can have it at home. So the, we, we see very clearly that Paul is giving a specific congregation this state of consolation. Now, now look, if you would, at the sovereign contribution. Where did it come from? The, the, the sovereign contribution. These are words in the Bible. They matter. Grace be unto you and peace. Everybody see that? Verse number two. Now, from whom? Who? God Who? How many of you glad you got a father? <laughs> what a blessing. The Jews couldn't quite understand that in the Old Testament, right? He, Jehovah, he, he was Lord. He, he was Lord. He, he, he was their king, right? But, 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 but until the covenant of grace came, they could not understand God in the position of fatherhood. Anybody listening? See, see, see. The Jews became God's chosen people by God's prerogative. Amen? That's why they knew him as Lord. He picked them. They ain't pick him. He picked them. No, I'm preaching Bible. I need more than six amens. I said they didn't pick God. God picked them. So they called him master because he picked them to be to, the, the, the children of Israel. But see, see, when grace came along in the, in the New Testament, ladies and gentlemen, you and I didn't just come in through covenant, through the law. Listen to me. We came in through grace and now through the Lord Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I have not just been picked by God, but I've been born again, not a corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And to many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Yes, I call him master. Yes, I call him Lord. Yes, I call him God. Yes, I call him good. Yes, I call him holy. Yes, I call him righteous. Yes, I call him just. Yes, I call him patient. Yes, I call him merciful. Yes, I call him true. But listen to me, when I'm burdened and I'm overwhelmed and I need a surgeon and I need a friend and I need somebody to defend me and I need somebody to love me when I'm unlovable and I need somebody to take care of me when everybody abandons me to pick up the phone when everybody's asleep. I need somebody to dial when I run out of minutes. I need somebody to to connect to when the Wi-Fi goes down. I need somebody to hear me when nobody else hears me, to understand me when I can't even get my words out. I don't need just God and a master and a, and a lawyer. I need a father. So, so, so the, 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 the sovereign contribution of, of grace and peace comes from a unique authorship. God, our Father. Please don't miss this. This is sound doctrine. Grace and peace were authored by God. And I get a little sick and tired of the world doing stuff and people applaud them as a good idea and the world doesn't have enough sense to credit the original author. You know what we call that in literary work? Plagiarism. You know what you can do? Get kicked out of school for that. You know what plagiarism is? It's putting some good words on a paper and acting like they're yours. 
Hey, listen, it's not, plagiarism's not putting good words on a paper. It's putting good words on a paper and entertaining it and, and presenting it as if you came up with the good. Ain't nothing wrong with saying good words as long as you give credit to one came up with. Listen, listen, listen to me. If you're gracious with somebody, if you're peaceful with somebody, if you've got a good attitude with somebody, ain't nothing wrong with that. You just make sure you let people know where you got it from. Grace and peace were authored by Almighty God. The unique authorship, grace and peace. Now, now, the ultimate accomplishment of grace and peace. You see the verse? Grace be unto you and peace. From whom? From who? From God our what? God our Father. And from? There go another two pieces. We're going to convert you. By the time you leave, you're not even going to get three pieces anymore. You're going to get two pieces. Grace and peace, they're coming together. But you know who else is working together? in The Father and the Son. How the Father and Son, well, the unique authorship, God, God, God's, the one that, God's the one that started it. And, and the ultimate accomplishment, uh, Jesus is the one that performed it and purchased it. Anybody listening? This is salvation. Somebody say, I'm saved, I'm, I'm Holy Ghost filled, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Good. Do you even know what that means? Do you know what it means to be saved? You know what it means? It means it means that God came and rescued you from a place you could not get out of by yourself. That's what saved it. That's what saved it. So next time you say, I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for my salvation. No, no. I thank God for my salvation because the alternative is hell. And and, and the, the, the salvation. The salvation that came to me came by grace and peace, and the grace and peace came from God the Father. He's the unique author, and Jesus is the ultimate accomplisher. It was accomplished through Jesus Christ. That's how grace and peace came. Listen, here's how grace came. God fought it. Here's how grace came. Jesus bought it. Anybody listening? God fought it. Jesus bought it. Say it with me. God fought it. Jesus bought Come on, talk to me now. God, Jesus I can't tell you. It all sound like the same. You don't have to say it loud, so I know you ain't just saying the wrong word. God, Jesus, at me. Listen, I'd have loved to have been at the staff meeting. What, 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 what a conference table to, been, to just been a fly on. To listen, God, call the meeting to order. Call the meeting to order. Business of the day. We got a world down there that's lost and going to hell. And y'all know we love them. You, you, you know why we love them? Because we are love, because we love each other. So who's talking? Them same three that said, let us make man in our own image. <laughs> Read your Bible. It's good. Isaiah, God, whom shall I send and who will go for us? That's not plurality in the Godhead. No, it's not multiple gods. That's one God. It's three distinct persons. You say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. That's why we're human and he's God. I mean, if the Trinity makes sense to you, I mean, you're, you're, you're lying. <laughs> but if you deny it, you're dying. <laughs> so here's the, here's, the staff, here's the staff room. And in the staff room are, 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 are the three persons that exist as God. You, you, nobody's allowed in that staff room because nobody else qualifies. And nobody else was there. Because the Bible said Christ was slain from the foundation of the world. I'm off my notes, but I'm enjoying myself. Listen, that, mean, that means that this plan of salvation was already thought through before the first man was ever created. Why? Because God's got it like that. 
He could foresee what would happen to mankind, foreshadow what would happen to mankind, predestinate what mankind could be, and predetermine a plan that was so flawless that in advance before man ever sinned, God had already compensated for his sin through a plan that he thought up in his own heart in heaven. I'd love to have been there in that staff room at that conference table when God said, we love him. Jesus said, I agree. Holy Ghost said, I agree. We love between us, and that's the same way we love them. They're not even here yet. Yeah, but a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. Today's like tomorrow. He could see us way back. He could see y'all before you even y'all. He could see your skin. He could see your background. He could see your criminal record. He could see every sin you committed. He could see every, every drug you smoked, every bottle you drank out of, every cuss word you said, every wicked thought you had. And yet he looked all the way up through your sin and loved you anyway. We can't let them die because love won't let people you love die. So we, we, we got to do something about it. We can't bring them up here. Not like that. Because we don't let sin up here. Sin ain't going to work up here. So the only way for them to come up here, they've got to be clean. And they can't clean themselves. And the law says in order to be clean... There must be shedding of blood. And they can't shed blood for each other because they sinners just like the other one. So somebody that's not sinful has to go die for sinners. And the only sinless individuals are up here. And the only ones down there are sinful. So somebody from up here got to go down there and be like them and be like us at the same. Woo, somebody help me preach. And about that time, I can see Jesus leaning up from the table and say, I'll take this one. I'll, I'll take this one. I know it's good up here, and I'll be back. But just give me about 33 and a half years to take care of business. I'm going to come into my own. My own going to not receive me. I'm going to be tempted, tested, and tried, yet without sin. They're going to mock me. They're going to beat me. I'm telling you from the throne room in heaven, from the conference, from the conference table in heaven, he could see them ripping his beard out. He could see them spitting on him. He could see them mocking him. He could see the nails. He could see the Roman soldiers. He could see Pilate finding a fault in him, washing his hands of it, and still He could see Barabbas being released so that an innocent man could be killed. He could see carrying the cross. He could see Golgotha's heel. He could see the two thieves around him. He could see his disciples forsaking him. He could see the separation that would happen between God the Father and looking at his vivid of a, of a, of a Calvary's cross as you and I look at it in 4D. Jesus looked at the cross and still volunteered and said, God, I'll go down there and save them. I'll be wounded for their transgressions. I'll be bruised for their iniquities. The chastisement of their peace will upon, be upon me, and they will be healed by my stripes. God said, well, I'm glad you volunteered. Now, I know. This, I'm just saying this. this no, no, don't go home and say, he just reenacted the Bible. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying to get it where our little crazy minds can understand it. This plan was not a oops. What had happened was I'm glad it worked out. This was not a trick plan that went good. This was not an accidental pass that tipped off two hands and ended up being a touchdown. This plan was thought out in the wisdom and in the mind of Almighty God where God said, somebody's got to save them. I don't want them to die and go to hell. Jesus said, I'll pay for their sin. I'll make sure that every single mankind, every person in mankind who wants to be saved can have their sins forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And God and Jesus said, the Father must have thought, well, we got this plan together. I mean, I mean, look, I, I don't want them to be saved. I've got the plan. And Jesus said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purchase it by, by shedding my blood because my blood is red, it's pure, it's sinless, it's, it's perfect. No other, no other body, no 
No, nobody has ever, 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 ever been born into the world a sinner like I am. But I'm going to be born. And by the way, I can't be born of a man and a woman because if the man and the woman come together and I'm born, I'm going to have a sin nature. And the Holy Ghost said, well, I can work this part out. I, I will superintend your birth by putting you in the womb of a virgin by the name of Mary. And somehow a miracle will happen. A woman who's never been with a man will get pregnant. Shazam. Listen to me now. And all of a sudden, that which is conceived in her will be conceived of the Holy Ghost. I'll put you inside of her. You'll be born. You'll grow up just like a boy. Oh, you'll be a smart boy because at 12, you're going to go into temple and surprise the doctors and the lawyers. But you're going to be obedient at the same time. By the way, if Jesus could obey his mama and his stepdaddy, what's wrong with some of y'all? Listen, now I'm just saying, he, so don't that ain't my, you ain't my daddy. I'm your parent and I'm an adult. You should obey me because Jesus obeyed his stepfather because his real father was God. Well, that's good preaching. Now listen, here he is. I'll superintend the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I'll take care of it. And, and, and oh, oh, by the way, after you die and, you, and you're buried and you rise again and you come back up here, somebody's going to have to go down to those sinners and prick their hearts and tell them, that they need to accept you. I'll volunteer to do that. Oh, and when they agree that you died, were buried, rose again, and pray to God in your name to be saved and believe that your blood is enough, oh, I'll be the one that will regenerate their spirit, take their dead spirit and make it alive. And then since you're up here in heaven and when they pray, they pray in your name to the Father and you got to make sure that what they pray gets to the Father, I'll go down there and trade places with you and live inside of them so that even though you're leaving, you're staying because we are one. Somebody help me preach. Paul says, when I talk about grace and peace, it's important if you're going to value the gifts that you value the giver. The unique authorship and the ultimate accomplishment in Jesus Christ. Church, the Christian life is a challenging one. Every single one of us made mistakes between this Sunday and last Sunday that we'd take back if we could. I'm just getting up here to tell you in Jesus' name that you did not make those mistakes because you lacked the resources to do right. God's plan has equipped you with grace and peace. Next week, if you come back, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. I mean, we're just stuck in verses 1 and 2. You keep saying amen, so I keep staying here. Stop, stop. So, so, so stop dropping those words like they don't mean nothing. Grace and peace, grace and peace. Grace is the root and peace is the result. What a consolation. And what a contribution. From God the Father, the author, and Jesus the Son, who was the accomplisher. You and I are not trying to grow more and more on our own. We are growing through the grace and peace from God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. Our Father, thank you. Thank you for grace and peace. Thank you for Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm living too much of my Christian life 
outside of grace and peace and often frustrated at why I fail. I have a greater appreciation for why Paul greeted the Philippians the way he did because these two contributions are so imperative to being a Christian abounding more and more. God has spoken to me today, Pastor. If you're saved and you know it, would you raise your hand all over the building? I'm going to heaven. I, I, I have by grace been saved. Amen. Put your hands up. Pastor, God has spoken to me about grace and peace. Number one, giving me a greater appreciation for the fact I am saved. And then, and then giving me a, a greater awareness of how I should live because I'm saved. God spoke to me today. I want more and more in me. Raise your hand all over the building. God bless you. God bless you. Now, why don't you talk to God in your seat? Because <laughs> you spent all week long talking about what you don't have and why you're not a good Christian. You got grace and peace. Stop looking for something. You have it. The problem is not we don't have what we need. The problem is we don't use what we have. God, help us. Lord, touch your people. Thank you for every one of them. Continue to help us. Speak to us, through us, in us. I wonder if there's anybody in the building that's not saved. You say, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm absolutely positive. I don't want to go to hell. Would you let me pray for you? I, we'd love to introduce you to grace today. Somebody here would be glad to get you rooted in Jesus. Because that's the good thing about grace. There's nothing in you that qualifies you for it. And by the way, there's nothing in you that disqualifies you. You've got to accept it. Pastor, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Anybody like that, would you let me pray for you? I'll not embarrass you. Call your name out. Anybody like that, would you slip your hand up? Anybody? Just let me pray for you. Anywhere in the building. It's long enough for me to see it. On the floor, in the balcony. Anybody at all? Anybody? Now, Christians, let's, let's get a little happier about salvation, don't you think? Well, we were messed up before we met Jesus. I said we were messed up before we met Jesus. Some of you, I'm still messed up. Well, imagine how messed up you were before you met Jesus. Thank God for grace and peace. Amen. Father, we love you and we bless you. Thank you for this church, for your people. Touch us again and again. Jesus' name. Amen. Say, thank God for grace and peace. Say, thank God for grace and peace. Come on, say again. Thank God for